0: Welcome back to the Most Accurate Podcast here at 444 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, live at halftime of Monday Night Football, halftime of the second game for the Week 3 waiver Wire Preview Pod. As always, we will be discussing and previewing the waiver Wire column at 44.com, which you can go to right now, out every Monday afternoon, Currently, the drop list is available to everyone, and then the positional rankings, contingency top 10, everything else ranked for everyone accordingly. As always, this show is also brought to you by our friends at Sleeper, one of the fastest growing customizable fantasy football platforms in the entire industry, and that's important to know because if you have the Sleeper app, you can actually go in there now and you can pick up. R, sleeper, waiver wire pickup of the week, and that would be none other than Garrett Wilson. I understand Garrett Wilson may not be available in some of your leagues, but I know from experience in some even higher stakes leagues Garrett Wilson was already dropped. And if that's the case, what we saw in week two caused for us to run to the waiver wire on Sleeper and pick him up because his route participation on Joe Flacco's dropbacks increased from 56% in the season opener to 75% as the team's second wideout. Garrett Wilson also currently leads the league in red zone targets. And although Joe Flacco may be 9 of 20 right now from the red zone, the fact is he's honed in on one particular receiver in that money territory. There's also meat on the bone here for Garrett Wilson because he briefly exited Sunday with an injury and then returned. So not only did he eat into Braxton Berrios' routes, there are still Corey Davis's routes he could eat into as well. After this past week, he averaged an elite 37.8% target per route run rate. Now, weekly viability like he showed on Sunday? I don't think so is still Joe Flacco and it's only week two. So we don't expect the Jets top two rate in place per game to continue, right? We don't expect Joe Flacco to reach 50 pass attempts per game as he's done through two games, just like the bears offense. We don't expect them to average 16, no 14 passes per game. It's only week two. We are going to get natural regression from these offenses and thus I don't think two receivers can get there for the Jets. It's probably either Elijah Mitchell or Garrett Wilson weekly, especially because we have Tyler Conklin quietly soaking up a 20% target share of the past two games. We don't know how long C.J. Ozomo will be out, but Conklin himself is a threat to basically one of these receivers not getting there weekly. And so it's probably going to be volatile. There are going to be ebbs and flows with Garrett Wilson's production. But if he's on your waiver wire, he's already shown enough that you need to pick him up and hope he's the one that gets there. If not, it'll likely be Elijah Moore. Also, what we did last week, I would like to do again because Garrett Wilson, not available in every league. But in much deeper leagues, if you go into your sleeper app, Ashton Doolin probably is available. And what happens when Ashton Doolin has to play behind Michael Pittman, who was out this past week with a quad injury, and Alec Pierce, who had a concussion in week two, I don't know. What we do know so far is that Doolin has earned a target on 32% of his routes. Again, an elite metric, including leading Indianapolis in target share, seven targets for a 23% target share without Michael Pittman on Sunday. So at the very least, what I'm doing is dropping Paris Campbell, who's only recorded a 7% target share through the first two games, despite being the team's second, first wideout in routes run, depending if Michael Pittman's been on the field. Or, in deeper leagues, dropping Alec Pierce. Because Ashton Doolin has essentially already emerged over Alec Pierce, and I want to be ahead of that movement for when Pierce returns. Again, we don't know what's going to happen, but I know I would drop those two, certainly for a outright trade for Ashton Doolin on waiver wires. Remember, head to sleeper.com or download the app like all of us use today. Moving on, everyone wants to talk about Trey Lance's injury and what to do in his stead for the 49ers offense. What we know is that this offense now goes back to what we've seen with Jimmy Garoppolo in the past, the same offense that entrusted its backfield for a combined 26 touches per game last year and finished 30th in pass play rate from neutral game script. And we saw they leaned on the run yet again when Trey Lance went out. Jeff Wilson, 18 carries as expected, 56% of the team's running back carries in week two, and Tyrion Davis Price with 14. But we also know TDP suffered a high ankle sprain. So not only expected to be out, quote unquote, a few weeks, we know high ankle sprains basically ruin him, probably for his rookie year, probably for a month, two months after he's even eligible to return. So he's no longer the person we're looking at whatsoever. What happens now? is we react the same way we did last week whenever we were picking up Jeff Wilson. And then everyone also, if they didn't feel like getting into a bidding war on waiver wires, went straight for Tyrion Davis-Price or Jordan Mason instead. That's what we're doing this week. Instead of Tyrion Davis-Price, though, we're going Marlon Mack because Marlon Mack is on the practice squad. If you got Jordan Mason for a minimum, you keep him because, again, Trey Lance's 12 and a half carries per game that he averaged in three full starts aren't log jamming this offense anymore. There are now more carries to go around. So it's not just Jeff Wilson. It's not just Debo Samuel. We can actually fit another running back for 10 to 15 carries per game in this offense. You may also ask, what about Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm not as high on him. Remember, last year, 29 attempts per game. QB 17 in fantasy points per game. Nothing to get excited about unless we're talking about it as a matchup based streamer for project- projected shootouts. But lazily thinking Garoppolo is the one for one trade off for Trey Lance in your home leagues is probably not the right answer. I'm probably looking for Carson Wentz. Jared Goff even gets an up tempo matchup against the Vikings this upcoming week. Joe Flacco, again, if we're talking about Wilson, Joe Flacco against a fast-paced Bengals attack. Seems like a good short-term streamer. But don't go directly for Garoppolo and feel free to spend minimum yet again seeing what the outcome is with both Marlon Mack and Jordan Mason on waiver wires. Another important topic is whether or not to drop Kadarius Tony. I wish I had the courage, like a lot of you, probably are doing to drop Kadarius Toney. I'm not there yet, though. We know Wondell Robinson's absence is still occurring. We don't know how much longer, but still sidelined. Kadarius Toney, of course, dealing with on-field issues and issues of getting on the field. And Kenny Galladay has basically retired already. So what that led the Giants to do was run David Seals for our team in routes in week two, and Sterling Shepard for the second most routes in the team. Shepard being an intriguing option because he accrued a team-high 29% target share and 43% of the team's air yards from Daniel Jones. Would I drop Tony for Shepard outright? That's the question we come back to, and the answer is no right now. At least we saw Tony's snaps increase from 7%, 12% in the season opener to 28 38% being in Week 2. So I would like to see one more game – thinking that Kenny Galladay will be healthy-scratched, thinking he won't be part of the game plan, so where else can they go? And maybe they do go straight to Seals, Shepard, and Richie James as third receiver. But I want to give Kadarius Toney one more week. And maybe I'm the sucker, but one more week. James Conner, we know, although we've already heard from Ian Rappaport that it is not expected to be a long-term injury, Nothing serious, he said. We still saw what happened once James Conner exited with his ankle injury in the second half of week two. And what that led to was surprising outcome, actually. Daryl, the mentor Williams, outcarrying Eno Benjamin eight to five and handling both of the Cardinals backfield touches inside the 10-yard line. Now, follow me down the path of numbers. Eno Benjamin did out-target Daryl Williams four to three. But, they mirrored each other on routes essentially. Daryl Williams had 27 routes, Eno Benjamin 24. And more importantly, Daryl Williams outsnapped Eno Benjamin 11 to two on third down. So now we're talking about third down passing usage, third down usage altogether, right? And goal line carries, at least what we saw in the first game. And although Daryl Williams was active in week one, whenever Eno Benjamin got worked in garbage time, my initial narrative was that's because they're just not going to play him all together. But playing him in a competitive game as the Cardinals caught back up in the second half, maybe, you know, Benjamin played in garbage time in week one, a three score blowout in week one because he's the garbage time back. Maybe Daryl Williams is the player they covet more and didn't want to play him. So I'm changing my narrative up. I think it's reacting accordingly, not overreacting. And thus I'm picking up Daryl Williams over Eno Benjamin if he told me to pick one today. I think that's the way I'll be stashing them moving forward, and I want to at least have them stashed knowing James Conner, of course, has yet to play a full season his entire career, and he's already dealing with an ankle injury in week two, foretelling of what we should do on our rosters behind him. Now, everyone's favorite segment. Some quick deep cuts for everyone before we get to a couple questions to close the show. Drew Sample, I understand you may not know what's going on in Drew Sample's life, but he suffered an in-game injury, and that actually allowed Hayden Hurst to stay on the field for a route on 85% of Joe Burrow's dropbacks. And now we've seen Hayden Hurst record at least seven targets and two consecutive games. So given what we expect to be an up-tempo game script in a favorable spot against the Jets, we saw David Njoku even bounce back somewhat with, with seven targets in Week 2 against the Jets' front seven, who struggles in the middle of the field but is great from the boundary. Given the up-tempo game script, Hayden Hurst is definitely a player I just plug in as a top-ten tight end. You just plug him in. Some of you may have questions about Cole Komet. Some of you may have questions about Hunter Henry. I'm playing Hayden Hurst over both of them this week. We also saw Brevin Jordan suffer an in-game injury. And you would think that would help out O.G. Howard. But now O.G. Howard has still stuck in his role as a team's third tight end with only six routes and back-to-back games. We instead saw a usage increase for Pharaoh Brown, who ran 24 routes instead, on Davis Mills' 43 dropbacks in Week 2. And I'm not saying go out and get Farrell Brown. I think the sneaky connection in place of Brevin Jordan maybe more targets for Nico Collins. We saw nine targets for Nico behind Brandon Cooks' 10, and more importantly, a career-high target share for Nico Collins in Week 2. So for deeper leagues, I think I'm treating that as the connection rather than going to chase Farrell Brown, especially because there are still some sneaky tight ends on waiver wires. I write about them on the column, Juwan Johnson included, Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon, still seeing their snaps slowly increase, progressively be more involved as they get healthier. There are many options we can use over Brevin Jordan's backup, basically. Another quick note is that Sammy Watkins was the one who survived Alan Lazard's debut on Sunday night. Because every other receiver for the Packers, their route participation, the routes they ran on Aaron Rodgers' dropback sank. But Sammy Watkins survived still, with a route on 65% of dropbacks and ran the second most routes for Green Bay. So if I were ranking them rest of season right now in week two, because I guess I'm forced to, it would be Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, in that order. Dalton Schultz also suffered an injury. And rather than running to Jake Ferguson or Sean McKeon, maybe the answer is just Noah Brown. We know Noah Brown not only has a rapport and history with Cooper Rush this year, but historically since 2017, since the Cowboys don't shuffle their roster and don't care about winning football, they just re-signed the same players over and over again. And so maybe that's what led Noah Brown to earning a 16% target share and the Cowboys' only end zone target on Sunday. So now with Dalton Schultz potentially sidelined and Michael Gallup reportedly on a Pitch count, quote-unquote, whenever he returns, it may not even be week three, I think Noah Brown's the standout there. That's the player who earns target, at least on waiver wires. Maybe the answer is Tony Pollard, who did have a 22% target share this past game, even though his actual share of backfield touches increased just by 1%, basically did nothing from weeks one to two. He was just jammed more opportunity, so I don't know if that sticks or not. The answer on waiver wires, at least, I think actually is Noah Brown. And it's probably viable enough to test in 12-team leagues. And then finally, Mike Evans suspended one game we know. And Brashad Perryman is the target for me. Yes, Scotty Miller did have a team high target share, eight targets. But Brashad Perryman, a proven, consistent NFL receiver for four years now, usually at the end of seasons because injuries open up opportunities. But Bashad Perryman has done this where he splashed from time to time and helped us out for stints. And we saw that too. Five targets, 14.7% target share in week two. And he played on 75% of the snaps in a touch, tough matchup against the Saints, spiking a long touchdown. So in this one week stead, I don't want to go overboard, of course, because the Bucs are no longer a pass-heavy team. The Bucs are averaging 30 pass attempts per game, and we are now pretty sure it is because of their offensive line injuries forcing them to become a Leonard Fournette engine as opposed to the same team that passed at the highest rate on first down last year and averaged a league-high 40 pass attempts per game the past two seasons. That's not this offense. There are only so many answers right now with so many injuries in this offense, and Perryman is the one for me. One more quick pickup about George Pickens because we have questions about George Pickens and Darnell Mooney. And I will say, Darnell Mooney, good matchup against the Texans this week. An offense, again, could, but it's only week two. We don't expect to pass the ball 14 times a game. And as for George Pickens, the routes are there. The targets are not. I would imagine with the week nine bye coming up, we get Kenny Pickett sooner than we all think. And maybe that's not the answer. Maybe that leads to absolutely nothing. But I'm holding George Pickens because the routes essentially match Chase Claypool's and Deontay Johnson's. Three wide sets are set in stone. It's just the six targets that are lacking right now week three waiver wire column on four dot com reminder you to use the promo code ten if you would like to sign up you can get the rest of everything there we will be back wednesday at 1 p.m eastern for the week three usage review buy low sell high and matchup preview show with john paulson and sam Hoppen. so until then remember be a little bit kinder than what's required we'll see you then